District Attorney Terence Hellenden, Treasurer Susan Leo, City Attorney Dennis Herrera, Assessor Mabel Tang, Public Defender Jeff Adachi, Sheriff Mike Hennessy, District Attorney-Elect Kamala Harris, The Sisters of Mayor George Christopher Helen and B. Mrs. Joseph Elioto. Mrs. Mrs. George Moscone. Mayor Art Agnes. and Mayor Frank Jordan. And now, will you please rise as our color guard, members of the San Francisco Police Department, the San Francisco Fire Department, and the San Francisco Sheriff's Department present the flags. I am now honored to introduce two veterans who courageously served our country in World War II and who will now lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. Ladies and gentlemen, Fred Gomez and the President of the Buffalo Soldiers, Ulysses Moore. as one of the Bay Area's finest jazz artists, Paula West, joins us at the personal request of Mayor-elect Gavin Newsom to sing the Star-Spangled Banner.
Please be seated. Giving the invocation today is Father Stephen Prevet. Father Prevet is the president of the University of San Francisco. And by the way, he also presided at Gavin and Kimberly's wedding. Ladies and gentlemen, Father Prevet. We pray this morning with the words of Rabbi Harold Kushner for our city, our world, and most especially for our new mayor, Gavin Newsom. God of all faiths and peoples, let the rain come and wash away the ancient grudges, the bitter hatreds held and nurtured for too long a time. Let the rain wash away the memory of the hurt, the neglect. Then let the sun come out and fill the sky with rainbows. Let the warmth of the sun heal us wherever we are broken. Let it burn away the fog so that we can see each other clearly, so that we can see beyond labels beyond accents, gender, or skin color. Let the warmth and brightness of the sun melt our selfishness so that we can share the joys and feel the sorrows of our neighbors. And let the light of the sun be so strong that we will see all people as our brothers and sisters. Let the earth nourished by rain, bring forth flowers to surround us with beauty, and let the mountains teach our hearts to reach upwards towards you. Bless Gavin Newsom, whom we have chosen as our first citizen and representative, with the wisdom, humility, courage, and compassion of Francis from whom this city proudly takes its name and would do well to draw its inspiration. Amen. got a movie plot going here. <laughs> Edward Asner, actor and the uncle of Mayor-elect, will now read San Francisco, City and the World, written by California's state librarian, Dr. Kevin Starr. Edward Asner. You want me to announce that? Due to the time element, we will do this magnificent bit of prose after the swearing in. Thank you. 
Now, a man who needs no introduction, but certainly deserves one, is Mayor Willie Brown. Mayor Brown has brought tremendous style and flair to the office of mayor and will leave a lasting legacy. As we stand before City Hall to swear in the 42nd mayor, let us all remember that it, it was Mayor Brown who led the effort to retrofit and restore City Hall. When you enjoy the giants at Pacific When you enjoy the giants at Pacific Bell Park this spring, Remember that it was Mayor Brown who played the pivotal role in ensuring that San Francisco finally had the world-class stadium it deserved. Pac Bell Park is now regarded as one of the premier baseball stadiums in the nation. Perhaps Mayor Brown's greatest achievement has been the diversity he brought to his administration. He brought more women, Asian Americans, Latinos, African Americans, gays and lesbians, to high-level positions in City Hall and ensured that our city government reflected the tremendous diversity that is San Francisco's greatest asset. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm pleased to present the distinctive, the inimitable Mayor Brown Lewis, Mayor Willie Lewis Brown, Jr. Mr. Mayor-elect, Gavin Newsom, his wife, Kimberly, the First Lady of the State of California, Maria Shriver, the Chief of Protocol and her Chief of Protocol, Charlotte and George Schultz, and all the other elected officials who are here on the occasion of the swearing-in of the 42nd Mayor of the city and county of San Francisco. I am absolutely delighted to be participating in this ceremony. And if you believe that, <laughs> it is rather bittersweet, Gavin, that eight years ago, I stood before many of these San Franciscans and took the oath of office to become the 41st mayor. In the entire eight years, I have tried desperately to figure out how not to allow there to be a 42nd mayor. <laughs> I obviously have not succeeded. And I tell you, Gavin, you ought to try to make sure there's not a 43rd. <laughs> this is absolutely the best job anyone could ever want. This is a magnificent city. I take great pride and joy in having served as the 41st mayor, and I pass that pride and joy on to the man whom I supported to succeed me in this position. He is a very special person. At 36 years of age, with a full set of brains, he should be, by all accounts, one of the greatest mayors this city has ever had. <laughs> Gavin, I have left the keys to City Hall in the desk. I have left instructions as the Phantom of the Opera has done in his operation. Keep box five always open for every performance. In reality, Gavin, you're going to move this city forward. You're going to do just fine in every category. And you're going to do just fine because the people of this city are going to embrace your leadership, support your efforts, and reward you with the appropriate kind of respect that you will have earned by your performance as the mayor of this extraordinary city. I now exit the stage and leave it in your hands. Godspeed.
The swearing-in ceremony of Mayor-elect Gavin Newsom will be officiated today by his father, Judge William N. Newsom, a former United States appellate court judge. Ladies and gentlemen, wise, wise persons have asked me to limit my remarks to three sentences. No specification as to the length of the sentence. And uh, comma, I will comply. As a second sentence, I would like to say how extremely proud I am of Gavin and honored that he's asked me to officiate and how grateful I am to his wife, Kimberly, and to his sister, Hillary, uh, who've done so much to help Gavin to reach this wonderful point in his career. And as a third and concluding sentence, I would like to say, on behalf of Gavin and Hillary and of myself, how much the absence of their mother, Tessa, our greatest friend, even on this joyous occasion, how much that absence is felt. So, Kimberly and Gavin, will you join me for the ceremony? Yeah. I'll, get, I'll move over yeah. there. Yeah. I think we'll do it right here. Yeah, I'm just going to get my... I have to have this. Uh, repeat after me. Gavin, I, Gavin Newsom, do solemnly swear. I, Gavin Newsom, do solemnly swear. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. And the Constitution of the State of California. And the Constitution of the State of California. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the Constitution of the United States. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the Constitution of the United States. And the Constitution of the State of California. And the Constitution of the State of California. That I take this obligation freely. That I take this obligation freely. Without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. Without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. And that I will well and faithfully discharge. And that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties. Upon, the duties upon which I am about to enter. Which I am about to enter. And during such time as I hold the office of mayor of the city and county of San Francisco. Which time I'm with all that with I hold the office mayor of the city and county of San Francisco. So, well, uh, I think now that you've taken the oath. And it's official. Thank official. you. Official. Congratulations. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Shall we sit down? Yeah. All right. You're going to have... Uh, Ed Asner, or I'll just leave it right here. Thank you very much. Thank you all very, very much. It's uh, a tremendous, tremendous honor to take this oath and the company of so many extraordinary, extraordinary San Franciscans. I want to thank every one of you, each and every one of you. You've exceeded my expectations for being here today to show your support not only for this city, but for this new administration. Mayor Brown, I want to thank you for more than just your kind words. I want to thank you in particular for believing in a 27-year-old when you did, when you took the time to recognize me and appoint me to the presidency of the Parking and Traffic Commission. I thank you, Mayor Brown. You began my life in public service. And I think I speak for the city, and I imagine I speak for the state of California when I thank you for the more than 30 years of sacrifice and service to its people. Your accomplishments have made life better for literally millions and millions of Californians, and you have made life better, I know this, for the people, the city and county of San Francisco. 
And I should say this, Mr. Mayor, we know you're only a phone call away, and I know you'll continue to be a champion for this great city. Thank you very, very much for your stewardship. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you. Thank you. You know, uh, to take the oath of office of America's greatest city from your father uh, is clearly more than an honor. To stand here with my sister and, of course, all of our family, Kimberly, your father and your brother, Tony, is a moment clearly I'll never forget. I only wish, as my father referenced, that my mother were here with us today. And for the person, of course, that made it all possible, the person that has stood side by side with me throughout this, Kimberly, I simply could not have done this without you. I'm honored and humbled. I'm honored and humbled by everything you put up with. And Kimberly, I'll tell you, I love you dearly, and I thank you for everything you've done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to welcome, and it exceeds my expectation, I want to welcome our elected family here. Thank you all very, very much. Not only San Francisco's elected family, but throughout the state of California. And what an honor it is, the First Lady of the state of California, Maria Shriver. Maria, thank you so much for your presence here today. It's a great honor. Thank you. Thank you. And in particular, I want to express my heartfelt thank you for my colleagues on the Board of Supervisors, President Gonzalez, all members of the Board of Supervisors. I thank you very, very much for being here, and it was a great honor, and I mean this, a great honor and privilege to serve with each and every one of you. Uh, I've seen, because I've been a member of that board for seven plus years, I've seen the contributions each and every one of you have made. I've seen, uh, the, well, I know we haven't always agreed, but I have seen the sacrifices you made, and I recognize and value your extraordinary contributions and your hard work on behalf of the people of the city and county of San Francisco, and I mean that sincerely. Thank you all very much for being here. Thank you, all of you. You know, San Francisco is a city in so many respects that has captured the imagination of those lucky enough to have lived here and those that have had the opportunity to visit from around the world because it's a place, at least I think, that makes us all better. Maybe it's because we've always been a city where each person has the freedom to grow, to speak, to live and love without the fear of bigotry that poisons so much of this world. You know, the Native Americans who first made their land, this land, their home, described it as nearly a paradise. These 47 square miles have attracted men and women from every corner of the planet. And through generations, they have built and rebuilt a city, city that is still a beacon of hope to the world. Many here came to find their fortunes, but they found and they themselves forged something I think much more important. They created a city of freedom, a city of tolerance, of creativity, and most importantly, of diversity. They made a city where dreams can come true, regardless of your race and religion, gender or age or who you love. Through the generations, San Franciscans have built a better world than the one they have left behind. And now, now it's our turn, our turn to renew the promise of this great city and to leave it better than we found it. You know, we have tens of thousands literally tens of thousands of fellow San Franciscans now out of work, and far too many of them are running out of hope. Meanwhile, we have factions of the business community blaming the government and factions of the government blaming the business community. I say this, do we want to find someone to blame or do we want to find solutions? I say it's time to start working together to find common purpose and to find common ground. Because fundamentally, I, I want to make this administration about solutions. We've proven, I think we've proven in this city that we can fight each other to a draw. We know how to stop things. I think that's for sure. Now the challenge is to start a process for change that will help us unite around proven ideas. It will be much harder. It will be much harder than all of us than the status quo because it's easy to be against something. It's easy to blame. 
it's easy to stop. The easiest thing in the world is to decide that we're right and they're wrong. What's hard, I think, and I imagine you'll agree with me, it's hard to listen. What's hard is to hear that maybe to come together, we need to leave behind old ideas and we need to leave behind long-held grudges. And that's exactly, exactly what this city needs to do right now. You know, we got to get our economy moving again. We need to work with those. In an effort to do that, we're going to need to work with those that can create high-wage jobs. And we need new investments. We need new investments in our infrastructure. And we need the revenue to pay for it. We need both. And, to, and I think in order to do that, we can, of course, try to solve the problems together, or we can again try to stop each other. And I think it's time that we put aside the simplistic rhetoric and we start working towards real solutions. And I don't think, I don't think for a second, I'm not naive, I don't think this for one second, that this is going to be easy. I think we've grown accustomed. Many of us have grown accustomed to explaining away problems instead of trying to solve them. But I don't think any of us want San Francisco. None of us want San Francisco as a city that knows how to make excuses. I think we want to leave behind a city that isn't afraid even to solve the toughest problems, tough problems like homelessness. We simply won't remain a beacon for the world if we turn our backs on the despair and deaths in the streets. I have a real plan for change. We have real plans for change. Real plans for change. And I'm going to work every day, each and every day, to implement those plans. But I'm going to do more than that. I don't pretend, I don't pretend to any of you to have all of the answers. But I also don't accept that there are no solutions to the issue of homelessness. There are certainly solutions out there. I'm going to work today, tomorrow, and every day to forge common purpose to address this issue. I will work with every activist, every interest group, every ideology, and any individual that can present an idea that works. You know, some of the opinion that if we can solve this problem, we can solve any problem. And for a city, a city that works, I think only way we can do it is start working together, and that's exactly what I intend to do. I'll work every day to solve problems, big and small. I won't give up, I assure you. I will not give up until our streets are not only clean, but our streets are green. I will tackle... I will tackle the smallest pothole and seemingly intractable, intractable problems like affordable housing. And let me say something. Let me say something about housing generally. You know, if we make housing part of an ideological battle, we're never going to meet the challenge. But if we take a practical approach, let me reinforce this. If we take a practical approach, I'm confident we can take, or rather, make progress together. I think we need new funds for housing with those with no income, which is why I will support and fight for a supportive housing bond. We need funds. We need funds. We certainly need funds for those with low incomes, which is why I'm going to fight and support an affordable housing bond. We also... We also need to make sure that developers address the housing needs of working San Franciscans, which is why I support new requirements to build workforce housing for our teachers, our nurses, our firefighters, and other hardworking San Franciscans. You know, we can, we can stop each other, or we can start solving these problems together. I'll tell you, I say it's time for solutions. We know, we know that we're going to be making progress when we have found common ground 
in the fight to improve our public schools. And I think this red city, and I know Supervisor Amiano agrees with me, I think this city is ready to put aside political battles and present a united front to protect our children. Yes, we do have legitimate disagreements, but I can't imagine anything that's more important. What is, honestly, more important than winning a political battle or making progress for our children? With so many places, with so many places to find common ground, I say it's time to work together for our kids rather than against each other for the sake of politics or ideology. This is an area we can agree. You know, do we want to make a point or do we want to make a difference? I, for one, say it's time in San Francisco to make a difference. And to make a difference, we need to make better use of all the resources at our disposal. We have a large city government. And I say we have a large city government full of outstanding individuals. But to solve these tough problems, we need to make sure that the problem solvers have the right tools for the job. And I wish to make sure that they do. do. Tools like ComStat and CityStat, a 311 helpline that will reconnect our residents with the people that serve them. These tools are by no means, no means evolutionary. I think they're simply revolutionary because they're based on a simple principle. That's accountability. You know, I didn't run for mayor, and I think many of you know this. I didn't run for mayor to deflect responsibility. I ran to take responsibility. And I want my administration and each and every city employee to be accountable to all of you. This administration, in our administration, we're not going to find excuses. We're going to find solutions. And we're going to find the very best and the brightest people in this city and this nation to help implement our plans. And we're going to make sure that city government serves every resident without regard to who they are, or who they know. And I want to make this clear. I mean that. I want to make this clear. If you work for this city, I want to make this crystal clear. If you work for this city, you work for everyone. Not the lobbyists, not the consultants, not the permit expediters, but for everyone. 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 And I also want to make it clear that if you seek to do work with the city and county of San Francisco, be prepared to do your best work at the very best price. The people of this city deserve only the best, and it's the best work we will demand from everybody. The best work. Our generation of San Franciscans has inherited a great legacy and we certainly inherited great challenges. And I think that if we work together, there'll be no, ch no challenge, simply no challenge too great to overcome, which is why I want to challenge every San Franciscan. Let us find common ground. Homelessness, affordable housing, high wage jobs, safe and stable neighborhoods, clean streets, promoting a creative city, Excellent schools, excellent parks and playgrounds, a clean and sustainable environment, and a cleaner city government. We know the challenges. We know we can stop each other. What we have yet to demonstrate, uh, yet to demonstrate, is as a generation of leaders, the ability to put aside party, to put aside partisanship, to put aside petty differences, and to find common purposes. I will have the great privilege of serving this city as mayor when we celebrate the 100th anniversary of the great quake. And obviously, I don't think we need to mark this occasion because of the disaster, but because of how San Franciscans responded to that terrible trial by fire. They set a standard and they set an example. They came together and they gave us the world's greatest city. And today, clearly, our city is rocked by the shocks and aftershocks of terrorism, 
economic uncertainty, and a world where the values of tolerance are challenged. So now it's our turn. Our turn to show that we can restore this city. Our turn to show that we can extend freedom and tolerance and respect to every San Franciscan. Our turn to show that we can put aside our differences. If we can do that, if we can do that, then our generation will have done our part to preserve and enhance this special place. I think we're ready for the job. I know I'm ready to get to work, and I'm ready to work with everyone. I want to thank you all from the bottom of my heart, each and every one of you. Thank you for being here. Let's work together, and let's get this job done. Thank you all very, very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, sir. Outstanding. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we wish you all the best. Um, also here with us uh, is our honored special guest, John Shelley, wife of the former mayor. I got this name right. And so now let's um, reintroduce Edward Asner. Judge Newsom, Mrs. Newsom, Mr. Mayor, I believe you. <laughs> Throughout the millennia, from that infinitely long ago moment in geological time when it was created, the peninsula, later to be called San Francisco, waited and waited and awaited its destiny. True. It was an end unto itself. All nature is. These 46.38 miles, square miles, of rocky outcroppings, mountains, savannas, and sand dunes centered by modern reckoning on latitude north 37 degrees, 48 minutes, 10 seconds, and longitude west 122 degrees, 26 minutes, 27 seconds. It might have, for thousands and thousands of years, the sea fog obscured the coastal regions in the early morning and were burned off by midday. For thousands and thousands of years, the occasional herd of tule elk and the occasional grizzly bear roamed the peninsula, and great white seabirds, herons, egrets, pelicans, stood watch on the marshy north shore. Then again, thousands of years ago, by modern reckoning, lost in the mists of time, human beings took up intermittent residence on the interior shores, the Costanoan, Ohlone, and Miwok peoples, by modern reckoning, hunters after small game and shell gatherers, leaving behind, as the centuries rolled on, mounds of seashells testifying to innumerable seaside feasts. It might have gone on forever like this, a perfect balance of man and nature, but history had other purposes. For more than 200 years, the Spanish of New Spain, later called Mexico, had been reconnoitering the western edge of the lands to their north. The English under Francis Drake adjourned in Marin County in June of 1579. Sixteen years later, the Spanish entered what is now called Drake's Bay. But for more than 200 years, they missed the Great Bay of San Francisco, sailing past the fog-shrouded 
Golden Gate time and time again. On 27 March 1772, an exploring expedition under the command of Pedro Fajes first sighted the Great Bay from the hilltops on its southwestern flank. Three years later, on 5 August 1775, Lieutenant Juan Manuel de Ayala sailed the San Carlos into this great bay, marveling at its vast extent. A year later, on 28 March 1776, Lieutenant Colonel Juan Batista de Anza brought a company of colonists from Mexico to this place. Doing so, de Anza founded civil society on the San Francisco Peninsula. He also selected sites for a presidio on its northern tip and a mission to be called San Francisco de Assis on the gentle slopes of the interior. Now began the Euro-American phase of the San Francisco story. It was not a city, a pueblo. That full civic status was withheld. It was rather a presidio intended to guard the northern frontier of New Spain and a mission intended to evangelize the Native Americans. Over the next 60 and more years, these settlements grew in complexity as other missions were established at Santa Clara, San Jose, Marin, and Sonoma counties. A modern reckoning would later call these those names. And especially after Mexico declared its independence from Spain in 1822, rancheros laid claim to the great hills and valleys of the San Francisco Peninsula itself and the vast hinterlands surrounding the bay. So then, in these years of presidio and mission, there were Native Americans here and Spanish Franciscan padres and Spanish soldiers, later enlisted under the flag of Mexico, and rancheros and their families of Latino, English, and American descent. In August 1834, the government of Mexico granted Pueblo status to the village of Yerba Buena. That meant that the Pueblo of Yerba Buena could have an ayuntamiento, town council, and an alcalde, mayor, whose name was Francisco de Aro. This Pueblo of Yerba Buena would last until the American occupation of 1846. It became increasingly a busier and busier place, with more Americans arriving, including William Alexander Leidsdorf, a New Orleans cotton broker of Afro-Caribbean descent. On 9 July 1846, the American ship of war, USS Portsmouth, under the command of Captain John B. Montgomery, sailed into San Francisco Bay. Montgomery sent a party of sailors and marines under the command of Lieutenant Washington Bartlett ashore to raise the stars and stripes in the public square of Yerba Buena, which the Navy renamed Portsmouth Place, Portsmouth Plaza. Because he was fluent in Spanish, Lieutenant Bartlett was named the first American alcalde of the city, which Bartlett renamed San Francisco on 30 January 1847. San Francisco, San Francisco. A new city was being announced to the world. True, it was only a simple frontier settlement on the northern shore of an unsettled peninsula, but it was a city the direct heir in organization, aspiration, and community to 5,000 years of urban development. That very same year, 1847, 
the Irish-born civil engineer Jasper O'Farrell laid out the plan for the new city, a plan that has endured to this day, and named many of the streets of the downtown names which have also endured. O'Farrell's plan envisioned a great city centered on Market Street, which in turn took, took its axis from Twin Peaks. But who was to live in this city? That remained an open question. Already the streets of the city were peopled by American soldiers in blue, and the discharged veterans of Colonel Stevenson's regiment who had brought their wives and children around the horn from New York with them. Arriving in July 1846, the ship Brooklyn brought to the developing city a Mormon community under the leadership of Samuel Brannan. These Mormons were skilled workers, carpenters, and irrigationists, and they found employment in the developing community or fanned out into the rest of the region. They were helping James Marshall build his new mill on the south fork of the American River when, on 24 January 1848, Marshall discovered in the tail races of his sawmill the golden flecks that would change the destiny of California forever. And now, through late 1848, through the Anus Mirabilis Argonaut year of 1849, throughout the decade of the 1850s, the gold rush propelled San Francisco into overnight maturity, a city that barely existed in 1847 was by 1870 the tenth largest city in the nation. As gold rush historian J.S. Holliday puts it, the world rushed into San Francisco, transforming it into an international city, an identity it would never lose. Gold seekers poured in from the Atlantic states, from Chile and Mexico, from England, France and Germany, from Australia and China. To walk the streets of San Francisco by 1850 was to hear the major languages of the world and to behold the peoples of the world gathered into a new metropolis on the Pacific. Visiting San Francisco in the mid-1850s, Richard Henry Dana, author of Two Years Before the Mast, 1840, wrote that he heard so much French being spoken on the streets, he thought it was in France itself. Could the city of Paris be far behind? With the building of the Transcontinental Railroad in the 1860s, the Chinese population of California increased tenfold. When the railroad was completed, many of these Chinese immigrants returned to San Francisco to establish businesses. Some 5,000 gold seekers of African-American descent poured into California. And when the gold rush subsided, San Francisco became the home of a flourishing African-American community, which included such figures as businesswoman Mary Ellen Pleasant and newspaperman Mifflin Wister Gibbs, later a pioneering African-American judge and United States Consul General in Madagascar. From the beginning, this was a proudly Jewish city, Temple Emanuel was established in 1849, followed by the Hebrew Orphan Asylum. For the next 150 years, many of the leading citizens of the city, active in trade, commerce, politics, and the intellectual life, emerged from the Jewish community. Indeed, the claim can be made that San Francisco represented the first great American city, perhaps the only American city, to have a vibrant Jewish community at the very core of its founding era. San Francisco had always been an Irish city. Indeed, the Irish, along with Yankees of Anglo-American stock, 
were the predominant people of this city in its early years, dominating its politics. San Francisco remained an Irish city through the 19th century and the first half of the 20th century as well. The Irish lived atop Knob Hill, the Silver Kings, and south of Market, the workers of an industrial city. In time, Irish families would settle in Hayes Valley, the inner Richmond, and following the opening of the Twin Peaks Tunnel in 1917, the newly established West Portal, Sunset, and Lakeshore. By the early 1900s, when 60% of the population of California lived on the shores of San Francisco Bay, the city of San Francisco had the highest ratio of foreign-born in its population than any major city in the United States. The Latino population was living atop Russian Hill, then known as the Latin Quarter, clustered around the parish of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Down below to the east in the North Beach District, the Italian immigrants who had begun to pour into San Francisco in the 1880s made their home. In time, this Italian community would also migrate to the Excelsior and Visitacion Valley on the southern edge of the city and to the marina district created by the Panama Pacific International Exposition of 1915. South of Market was a flourishing Greek community and an Irish-American community that extended into the Mission District. San Francisco had also become an epicenter of German, Norwegian, and Swedish immigration. The German community preferred the newly developing Richmond District. The Swedish community was centered on what is today the Cathedral Hill area at the entrance to the Western Edition, which supported an eclectic enclave of prosperous peoples from every background. A potpourri of bourgeois prosperity that eventually moved north into Pacific Heights and spilled down into Cow Hollow. The Norwegian community could be found centered on Fell Street, running down the Golden Gate Park Panhandle. When there were political disturbances in the world, San Francisco paradoxically seemed to benefit in terms of the growing diversity of its peoples as the city became the haven for those fleeing violence elsewhere. The Russian Revolution and the Civil War that followed brought a talented Russian community to the city, many of them by way of China. The Second World War augmented the African-American population of the city as African-Americans moved west to take up vital defense jobs. To San Francisco in the 1950s came a large number of Palestinians, many of them from the city of Ramallah. The reformation of American immigration laws in the 1960s would augment the already present Chinese and Filipino communities and also bring to the city welcome citizens from Malaysia, Thailand, and other parts of Southeast Asia. The American involvement in Vietnam would eventually transform parts of the Tenderloin into a little Saigon. The insurrections and suppressions of Central America in the 1970s and 1980s transformed the Mission District into a flourishing Salvadoran and Guatemalan community. Indeed, the question can be fairly asked, were there any peoples not represented in San Francisco? Ask this of the Armenian, Maltese, Croatian, Serbian, Montenegrin, Bosnian, Iranian, Arab Americans, from Syria, Iraq, and Egypt, and Asian Indian populations of the city, as well as those already mentioned. Each of these communities, in one degree or another, came to San Francisco because of disturbances in their native places. In the city of St. Francis, they found the peace and security that had eluded them elsewhere.
They established their homes and businesses, opened their churches, temples, and mosques. From such diversity, there came into San Francisco a great strength. Throughout history, cities were always at their best when they mirrored the widest possible spectrum of human values and culture. San Francisco has justifiably been praised throughout the decades for its physical beauty, its civility, its trade and commerce, its visitor and tourist industry, its love of the arts, its taste for the good life. But underlying all these values is something deeper and more fundamental to the identity of the city. And this is the cooperation, the mutual respect, the compassionate tolerance that any city as culturally diverse as San Francisco must have in order to thrive. Planet Earth is today a world community. Thanks to nature, history, and the hard work and loving care of its diverse citizenry, this world community today enjoys one of its most noted capitals in the city and county of San Francisco. At this time, this world city, this beloved San Francisco swears in a new mayor and through him inaugurates a new generation of leadership. Sorry. Thank you, Edward, for a wonderful reading of San Francisco, the City and the World by Kevin Starr. Our benediction today will be given by writer and activist Carol Simone. As we come full circle now in this celebration of the inauguration of our wonderful new mayor, let's join together in a special blessing. Divine Spirit, we the people of San Francisco entrust the soul of our beloved city to you, Mr. Mayor, to caretake and protect. We pray that your journey be infused with light that your health and spirit soar with continuous strength and stamina, that you arrive in each moment with gratitude and freshness. We call on the Creator to assist you in meeting the challenges of this great city with courage, innovation, and compassion, that you inspire solidarity and interconnectedness from City Hall into the community, from the Mission to the Marina, from the Golden Gate Bridge to Chinatown, and from the Tenderloin to our great mother, the Pacific. We ask that you remain open-hearted, Mr. Mayor, to the voices of those who are suffering and alone. May your love of adventure, devotion to service, and sense of humor sustain you. Mayor Newsom, Take great care as you meet your appointment with destiny. And in the small hours, may you take sanctuary in the universe that silently waits within you. Finally, when you walk the sacred turf of this magnificent city, stay present, breathe deep, imprint peace with every step. God bless you.
This concludes our inauguration of Mayor Gavin Christopher Newsom, the 42nd Mayor of the City and County of San Francisco. He would like now to invite you to join us inside City Hall to meet him in his office and to have refreshments in the North and South Light Courts. Thank you.